Today on the breakdown, tournament chess, Wimbledon, shuffleboard. These are the greatest one-on-one <laughs> games ever. But also, now we can add a fourth. Poker. <laughs> That's right. Poker. Tournament poker. Because sometimes your head's up. And in this hand, although there are many players remaining, <laughs> there's 13 left in this 20K uh, Euro buy-in event from Triton Madrid. There are two players who are going to play this hand. So it's effectively head up, as the kids like to say. And if it's head up, you got to get your bed up because... <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna get put to sleep, baby. That's uh, that's how they talk now in the in the streets, um, the poker streets. Obviously, is what I'm referring to. What am I saying here? I'm saying it's Danny Tang against Ni Liangse, and Ni Liangse, new new player, new person, but in this 20k event, and we're just in the money, and there's still a lot of money to be won too. Well, they've all locked up about 36,000 euro. There's almost half a million to be won. And by the way, Michael Adamo's still in. So don't be intimidated. The shark. And you think he's good at poker, you should see him at badminton. Also one of the great head-up games. It's a game full of games. Here we go on the breakdown with Great Denison and Jonathan Levy. Hey. There is... There is so much for me to say. What? What do you mean? And I, I mean this genuinely. I am excited about all the things that I get to say now. Well, I don't even know what you're going to begin to say. I'm going to pre- pre- preface this with some real life stuff that's happened uh, between Jonathan and I oh, okay. over the past week. Sure. Where I referred to Jonathan as absent-minded. Yes. And he was a slightly offended by that. Slightly. He's like, slightly. give me some examples of me being absent-minded. Yeah. And it was tough in the moment for me to come up with. It's just actually, like, by the way, I thought it was slightly ironic. You're like, you're forgetful. And I was like, give me any examples. You're like, I have none. I yeah. thought that was, that was at least ironic, but please continue. It was, you know, on the spot. I know. I know. That's fair. That's fair. Here we have the best example that I can mean? think of recently. Because before this began, <laughs> I spent a long time. I was like, do you think this hand is worth doing? And I described yeah. the hand to you in detail. Yeah. Very explicit detail. Yeah. It is a three-way hand, and Danny <laughs> and Danny Tang is not one of the main guys. This was ten minutes ago. <laughs> I mean, I was barely listening when you described the hand. In fairness to me, barely listening. Why? Because I, I now that I do remember it now. Because really, all the action is essentially heads up, though, right? Like it's three ways to the flop only, right? And I mean, then we very but quick. But all the interesting stuff is heads. It's up. three ways enough that we're not having solver work done. Eh, so what? But my point remains, we, we ultimately go mano a mano. It's just a weird hand. No, 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 no. You're, you're right. You're absolutely right. Of course, if you had said to me, how many players see the flop? I would have said two, 100%. So that's true. That's right. And I wouldn't have been able to, I don't even know who the other player is. Oh, I do. I do know who the other player is. But it's a miracle. It's Paul Fua. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I would have said it was Danny Tang versus Paul Fua. <laughs> but then I know that there's this other guy who we never said before. Yeah. on say. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, that was, okay, that's a fair that's a fair opening stanza you got there in your uh excellent. in your essay. Go ahead. What else you got? Oh, that was most of it. It's just really funny how you went on a whole deep <laughs> hole about the greatest heads up games <laughs> of all time. And this isn't even a heads up hand. <laughs> yeah. I was just looking for something weird to say, you know. Well, I think I succeeded. I ended with, by the way, which you you have forgotten, because I feel like this was on your bullet points, but you got caught up on what you've been talking Let's about. Let's see. Where I said it's a game full of games. I wasn't the even... End. That's pretty weird. I, at some point, a lot of the times when your openings are, you know, the, the two-minute variety... That was not two minutes. I, I start to a little tune out when, yeah. when things keep going. I wonder if listeners do that, too. Do they, does everyone tune out? Because I'm right here for it, you know? I'm here the whole time. I mean, I, I do enjoy your openings. Yeah. I think they're funny a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, but no sometimes, one... sometimes it's just not, not worth keeping listening. No, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um... I mean, I don't even know what the point of the openings are anymore, really. It's what just, are we doing? It's just like the cadence of the podcast. Yeah. We start with the opening, then we have the music, and then we talk about shit. Right, because we could just start. But yeah. I don't know. We started originally, it was like a teaser to get people interested, and that's cool, I guess. But at this point, I feel like our listeners are here to listen to. I don't, I don't feel like it, it adds a whole lot in terms of like, someone's like, oh, I got I to gotta stick around. Well, now, we might as well. We might as well have its own thing. We might as well have our internal business discussion on the podcast. Why not about why yeah. we should keep the openings? And my thought, oh please, is that for new listeners, it it does help. 
I would oh, guess. Oh, really? You think even now, even the way I do it, it helps? Um, yeah, that's because questionable. The way you do it, maybe that that does make it a little questionable. But yeah. at least at least explaining that we are going to talk about a hand, right? You know, and it the, teases it slightly yeah. at least, I guess. Um, I mean, I will say there's got to be some percentage of listeners who look forward to the openings. Oh, sure. Yeah. And um, and so it's part of the show now. It's part of the brand of the show. And so yeah. we can't just toss them. No. Although if we tossed them, I mean, I'd find a way to work all that weirdness into, you know, everybody, the, rest of the show Everybody anyway. would be fine. Yeah. It would, it would still be in there. It would just be dis- diffused a little bit, you know, dispersed. But it, there's no real platform for that exact type of behavior in the show besides the opening. Not to that level. Because well, it's also just me going anywhere with you, completely uninterrupted by you, and we both know it's going to be un- and uninterrupted by you. That's different. And it's like built upon itself. It's meta at this oh point where like... So you, meta. It, it, you <laughs> enter a certain space that you are unable to enter otherwise because of yeah. the way that it's presented. I mean, it's really a weird thing. So even before this one, we're really going to do Inside Who Baseball. Who cares? I know, it's fun. Yeah. Um, you actually, for the first time in our history, it's been eight years of doing this podcast, I think. First time ever, you had a suggestion for how I should begin the opening. Yeah. Which I thought was a pretty good suggestion, but I decided I wasn't going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really have anything else to do. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want to do that because I thought that's going to be kind of work to get to that. Yeah. And I don't want to have to like contort myself. That's not really how I do it. I'm more free-flowing than that usually. If I can't start with it, I can't, I don't want to work to, I don't want to, you know, get somewhere. I don't want to have to follow a path to get somewhere. Um, so, you know, so I'm like, okay, so what am I going to say? And I'm like, I don't know, like, these guys are heads up at some point in the hand. And like, <laughs> hey, I can work with that. And then that was it. That's all I had. And then it turned into what it turned into. So what did you say were the greatest heads up games? <laughs> Wimbledon, Wimbledon chess <laughs> tournaments. Yeah, chess t- tournament chess. Wimbledon. And shuffleboard. Um, shuffleboard. There was a fourth. Isn't shuffleboard sometimes played with more than two players? I mean, everything's played with more than two players sometimes. Badminton is sometimes played with more than two players. I uh, mentioned badminton mostly, mostly badminton is played in pairs, right? Mostly doubles. I mean, mostly. I mean, recreationally, that's probably not true. There's a lot of head, head up badminton. I don't know. Not in my neck of the woods. Yeah. Well, you're from like where? Illinois? Yeah. Yeah. Where. The middle of the country of the United States. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> cool. You guys don't know shit about badminton. I know a lot about I would, by the way, crush you at badminton. We'll oh, crush you at badminton. What, where, where is this coming from? From a place of this, anger this and hubris. competitiveness. <laughs> this hubris is ridiculous. Hmm? You, would, you would not crush me at badminton. Have you played a lot of badminton in your life? Enough to know. <laughs> I feel like you're all ego over there. You're just a big pulsating ego and no, nothing behind it. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. That's pretty impressive, actually. Should we make a badminton bet on the podcast? Yes. Yes, we should. Let's make a badminton bet on the podcast. No, it's not. Okay, yeah. There's no, I wasn't going to agree to anything. I figured you wouldn't, you based tell, on the right? way you said yeah. that. <laughs> it was gonna be, like, yes, yes, $1,000, heads up badminton, let's go. Like, I don't care at all. <laughs> not interested. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, what was the last time I actually played badminton? I'm going to say I was 14. Really? Yeah. I, I think I played as an, I played as an adult in 2016. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, I shot basketballs at uh, our friend's uh, sort of day after his wedding party with oh, a yeah. bunch of the wedding party. That's the same as badminton. We played horse, and uh, I used to play basketball competitively for folks who don't know. Like, I was the MVP of my high school team. I was the leading scorer of my college team. I was actually pretty good. Everybody knows that. It's like on the ESPN. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, so, like, I, I actually was good, and still, like, it didn't come back right away. It started to slowly come back. And I think if I like, you know, spend a few days doing that, I would start to find my shot again. But like, I missed a lot of shots. Okay. Well, the badminton heads out there might be upset by this statement, Uh but I think there's probably a little bit more precision in basketball required, like to shoot that ball into that little hole. Like then, then just hitting the birdie, the birdie basically puts itself Uh. in the right direction. (laughs) Oh man! Oh, oh, man. oh the just, badminton heads! I just stepped in it. Just, Why would you do that? Just like that time I stepped in it with our poker, right? They really came after me. I, I'm actually amazed. You know, that episode came out um, from our time, like two weeks ago or something like that. And I listened to it. and I was like, "This is definitely someone's going to link to this on our poker, and it's going to be a thing, right? Like they're going to not like this, and we're going to hear about it. And it, it just seems to have passed them by, which is amazing. But I'm sort of grateful." I, for not having to capture all the flack. I, I stand by everything I said in that segment. Of course you do. But I also like stand by my feeling that our poker was not going to <laughs> do anything. And I, I, like, I, I really? felt very strongly about that because I know that almost everybody in our poker doesn't like our poker. Like Pretty much everybody's like, this is just a, 
a subreddit I'm on because right. it's the poker subreddit of the thing that I'm already on. Like, I don't right. give a shit about this subreddit. It's not, right. like, special or anything. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. Like, it just... I'm already on Reddit all the time, so it's a way to include poker in yeah. my existence. That's, that is really fair. I don't think anybody who looks at it objectively thinks our poker is, like, this great poker scene resource. I mean, it all depends where you're coming from, man. Like, if you're Grant Dennison, then, yeah, of course not. Like, you well, have me. You have me, buddy. But, I mean, like, they don't have me. How many of our listeners do you think are on our poker? Like, what uh, percentage? 40, 30, 40. Yeah. And none of them felt the need to, uh, to, be, to be upset about it in any that way. That is true. Yeah. Not, not a single one was like, I mean, you know, like not even in the discord, do we get a yeah. single, everyone's like, I guess you're right. Everyone's like, yeah, that's just true. Right. Yeah. We're just spitting freaking truth over here. Like, uh, like Beyonce, like Beyonce or, or like, um, a giant lizard would if, if you, if it could speak, you know, <laughs> that the lizard would not lie. No, of course not. Right. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah. Look at those things. Like Godzilla, basically, doesn't speak any human language. Yeah. But if, if we had a translator good enough, it would all be the truth. It would be I, like, I'm going to stomp the shit out of that city. Right. I mean, I think the, I actually think the, the violence that Godzilla, the carnage, I shouldn't even say the violence, but the carnage that ensues when Godzilla moves anywhere is in its own way truth. And I don't. Oh, and I mean, I mean, objective truth. Objective yeah, yeah. Philosophical, objective yeah. truth. Socratic, Aristotelian, Platonic, Platonic truth. Yeah. yeah. An ideal Hobbesian. truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, so many callbacks. In this, yeah, the in Leviathan. This We've done like, I hope you guys have been listening to the last like month of episodes because we, we just, the last minute and a half has been all callbacks. Yeah. It's been great. Great reference points. Yeah. If you really, and if you haven't, it's worth listening to that. Um, I'm going to say eight to 10 hours worth just to really enjoy this last minute. So <laughs> go back there and get, get you some Poker Guys podcast. Yeah, I, I would recommend Excellent. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that'd be great. Callbacks are very popular, you know. They make they make they make you feel like you're part of the experience. Yeah, there's a nostalgia piece too. A yeah. lot going on there, man. Yeah, a lot going on. Um, so speaking of nostalgia, so oh, as we are recording, yeah. uh, the Obi Wan series started okay. on Disney Plus. They did the first two episodes, and so I watched it. Mm-hmm. And first of all, it got good reviews. Not yeah. great, but good reviews. Like a 75 on Metacritic, which is really strong mm-hmm. for this kind of a show. And uh, and I listened to the watch, which is the Ringers like very high highfalutin TV watch show yeah. where they talk about only good shows and stuff like that, and then some Marvel shows too. And they both really enjoyed the Obi Wan thing, talking about nostalgia and all that, and how it really hit them in the right place. And it was crappy, really. It was beautiful. It looked really pretty, but it was written by like teenagers, and some of the acting is laughable. And huh. There's this crazy thing that happens twice in the first two episodes where there's a little girl who's 10 years old who decides to... One time she's in real jeopardy. There's like five guys who are trying to capture her and she runs from them. And she's not really... I mean, she's supposed to be 10. I got to tell you, she's like seven. She's like tiny. And she runs and she runs the way you expect a seven-year-old to run. So we're like slowly loping back and forth, side to side. Not fast at all. And like there's these four like evil bounty hunter guys who are trying to capture her and in a wide open space, cannot catch her. Like, it's impossible for them to catch her because she's so fast, but she's not fast. We watch her running around. Then it happens again where Obi-Wan's chasing her, and he's right next to her, and then, like, and he's running after her as hard as he can, and she's running, but she can barely move. And then they cut it, and then he's, like, 25 feet behind her suddenly, and it's, like, super weird and stuff like And it's, like, laughably bad, you know? Huh. And That's too bad. Yeah, so maybe this show will get better, but, and there's there's moments in it that are quite good, but... It hits you in this really nice nostalgic place, and I think that's the only thing it really has going for it, besides that it's really pretty, which it is. It's really pretty. So you're basically saying it's the same as this show. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it hits you in the exactly. nostalgia place. It's really pretty. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. My, my peepers are peeping. The <laughs> <laughs> no. peepers are peeping? Yeah. Uh, people love that, right? Dude, they like, do. They do. Peeping. People tell me, they're like, if you guys could just get Jonathan's peepers to people a bit more, you, you guys would hit seven-figure listens on I every know, episode. I know, but we can't. Because then if I did that, it's too much. It's it also like take, it takes a little bit of time off of Jonathan's life. You every know? time. It's like, uh, it's rough. Yeah. It's also like Kim Kardashian. <laughs> right. The peeping peepers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. she's, at this point, I mean, she ain't going to make it to 45, I'll tell you <laughs> well, what. That's rough. Yeah. Good prediction. Thanks. Wow. Dark. Could be true. Great, that makes it better. <laughs> Godzilla would know. This isn't as good as listener death, but it's it's close. Wow. 
It's not as good as listener death. We know the prediction of, of how many listeners will die oh, between okay. the recording. I you, 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 you were saying it's not as good as a listener dying. Well, could it get right actually dying is good, but not as but good as one of the I would say dying. I would say the order of death predictions or, or death yeah. prognostications at least mm. is uh is celebrities is third. Yeah. Listeners is second and poker guys is of first. Of course, of course. That's yeah. an obvious yeah. hierarchy. Right. Come on. By the way. When are you going to die? <laughs> Let's do a little Grant Denison prediction death. It's hard time. to die. Let's go. What year is it? Is 20, 2022? Yeah. Um, well, let me, let me be more clear. It's May 2022. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to make it until at least 2030. I think I can handle 2030. 2030. Yeah. And uh, uh, mm-hmm. in, in good scenarios... In yeah. really good scenarios, I guess never. You know, like when right, when that's they, right. He death of the universe kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah, yeah or like, maybe or maybe even beyond. Like that. the AI really fixes it all up and right. Yeah, we don't need to die. Okay, sure. Then not too many of those. In fairness. Okay, legitimate question. I'm 35 years old. Okay. Um, we don't have any medical training or background or understanding of like the futurist medicine thought process. Right. Not really. What's your best guess as to what my life expectancy will be? Okay. So. I would say, first thing we, you've made it 35 years. You're, if you were just your average American dude, yeah. which you're not. I'm, let's sli- start, I'm, sli- I'm healthier than yeah, that. Yeah, but let's start yeah. there. Your life expectancy would be something right now like 76 years old or something like that, right? Because um, they started at 72, but now you've made it 35 years in. But so that pushes, your, that pushes it is up. That, is that life expectancy for, that's not for everybody. That's for like current people 35 who... 35-year-olds, yeah, current 35-year-olds. Really, even, even with the... This doesn't, up, this doesn't include any assumptions of future med- medicinal no. advantages. No, no, no. It's just based on, it's based on the past. Okay. So we're not doing that exactly, right? We're, we're trying to extrapolate a little bit like what I'm technology. starting. In okay. a pl- I'm doing a whole... Th- I'm All laying right. out some groundwork. All right. Let's lay the, ground, lay the groundwork. You know, you're so... This is good. Okay. I'm lowering my number <laughs> based on this. Because you're, you're going to do something? No, you're going to die because you get too excited. Just take a breath. Be patient. All right. You know your heart, buddy. I worry about your I have, heart. I have a, a heart rate of fifty-three. So I would guess that as of right now, if um, the actuary t- the actuarial tables would say yeah, about seventy-six for you, we could look this up. But okay. who's going to do that? Right. Um, I mean, it's a it's a Google search away, but we ain't doing it. I have we both have computers in front of us. Yeah. There's no way this. No is chance. We're not okay. looking. You are healthier than the average person, so I'm going to bump that up by two years. Okay. And get you to seventy-eight. Um, I think you are. This may not be true, but I, I'm like this. I think you're like this, too. Not to the same degree, but, but more so than the average person. Where you actually want to live a long time. Oh, yeah. Like, a lot of people don't. Oh, I know. I, I want to live as long as I can. Yeah. So yeah. I think that actually is going to bump you up even a little more, both because that, will, that informs future potential behavior, as well as I think just wanting it actually probably helps a little bit, like if we're talking yeah. about long-term stuff. Sure. Um, so I'm going to get you to 81 as life expectancy. That may be a little high, but I'm going to go 81. Okay. I think that's way off. You think it's too low? Yeah. I think for, really? for people my age, I mean, maybe I'm just assuming I'm, I'm giving way too much, and I'm, I'm not trying to uh, say the actuarial tables are wrong yeah. about like what you could, like that's probably when men are currently dying, right? Men in America, like is age 72 on average. I mean, that's the life expectancy. For yeah, me. yeah. So that, that doesn't exactly jive with reality, right? When you're talking about somebody who's one year old. Of course. That's yeah. why I bumped it up to 76 before I even started everything, right? That was what I, that's where I began. Uh, sure, okay. Because you were 30, you're 35, yeah. Okay. So you, that's just a very small bump based on what I um, think you expect for medical technology in the next 50 years, right? Um, do, you the, think, uh, okay. do you think cancer will still be killing people in 50 years? I guess is a good question. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. But what about something else that hasn't reared its ugly head yet? What about coronavirus 13, uh, 28, okay. you know? like Oh, yeah, sure. What about long COVID and the effect it's going to have on you? I mean, like, I don't know, like all these things. By the way, I did pull up an actuary table because I can't help myself. And actually, at 35, you have, as of right now, 43.15 more years. So it's actually better. So we should be starting at 78, not 76. Mm. Um, and then, so, so maybe I'd add two years to my overall thing and make you 83 okay. before you die your untimely death via knife through the throat by me. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm, I'm going to say, yeah. like, and this is obviously not what the actuarial tables would say, mm-hmm. but that a 35-year-old right now in, if assuming the country doesn't fall to pieces and the world doesn't fall to pieces and sure. medical technology continues to move in the right direction... I'd say 100 is a reasonable ex- expectation. Wow. Yeah. 100? I will take the under. 100? Yeah. Come on. 
I mean, what are you talking about? Do you not think medical technology is going to like vastly lengthen lives? I don't know, man. I mean, lengthen lives is really different than improve lives while you're still alive. That's right? not what we're talking about. I understand. Yeah. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that's not what like medical technology can really improve without lengthening lives um, past certain ages. True. Um, so, um, so I don't know that that's true. Uh, there's, there's maybe because when it happens, it might lengthen your life significantly. It might be way more than that. Yeah. So then your your EV pulls like there's up. a lot of very fringe news recently coming out about anti aging stuff. That I mean, there's been fringe news like that for for 15 years, man. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, I think most of the time, by the time you make it to 80, they have not, they will not have significantly lengthened lives via medical technology. Okay, most of the time. Um, I hope I'm wrong because you know that would be great for both of us, yeah. right? Um, but but I don't think that's that likely. Uh, and so, like, assuming that doesn't happen, then yeah, yeah, 83, man. When I'm when I'm 100 and I have a 38 inch vertical and I'm just living life the, to the fullest, I'll jump up and down on your grave. You know, when I actually met, um, I, I flew to Scotland, Scotland, uh, like 10 more than 10 years ago now, maybe 15 years ago. And I was sitting next to computational biologists who were mapping the genome. Okay. This is really wild, right? Didn't expect to do that, but they were sitting right next to me. We had a nice long talk on the plane. And they actually said to me, you're not going to live longer, but you're going to live better than we do. Because they were old. They were like, ah. they were in their 60s or something yeah. like that. Like, you're going to have a much better life because you'll be so much healthier as you get older. Like your joints won't hurt as much, that type all of thing? All that stuff, yeah. yeah. Like your, the diseases and stuff won't, won't like attack your body in the same way, all this kind of stuff. But they didn't necessarily think I was going to live longer. Now, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was interesting. And yeah. I was like, well, that's pretty good. I'd like to live longer, too. But you don't want to live 20 years longer and horribly. You'd rather, right. live, you, you'd rather live really well for the last 30 years of your life rather sure. than extend it, but have it be the last 50 years be, be really rough, right? So, Poker podcast. Poker podcast. Hey, um, how, what do you think my age is that I'm going to die at? According Whatever. to actuarial tables? Whatever you actually think. I actually think you're probably around 90 to 100 also. Yeah, me too. Okay. All my grandparents made it to the 90s, so like, uh, why wouldn't I make it to my 90s? Yeah. My, my grandmother just died at 96. That's one. What about the others? Uh, well, the grandfather on that side died when he was in his 60s Uh-oh. because he, from lung cancer from smoking two packs a day. So you have a proclivity towards lung cancer. I don't have... Secondhand smoke, watch out, man. <laughs> You're yeah. going to die. Yeah, what else? Um, the other grandfather also died of lung cancer, same mm. thing. Oh, really? Same situation. And I don't really know what the other grandmother died of. She was 85. Okay. So hard to know. Yeah. Hard to know. Now, I would argue, though, if, you're, if you had really hearty genes, your two grandfathers wouldn't have died from lung cancer, no matter how much they smoked. Right, of 60s. course. <laughs> they would still be alive even today. Uh-huh. Because they would be livers. They would be destroying the cigarettes. <laughs> That's right. The cigarettes would be the ones who were dying, yeah. not the grandparents. Yet. Yeah. My granddad ate sausage every day of his life. Um, I don't think he smoked, but ate sausage. They actually at one point took his heart out and put it in a bowl as he got triple bypass surgery. From still, too much sausage? He still made it to like the mid-90s. Just too much now sausage. that's a liver. Yeah, I mean, I think the sausage was part of it. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pepperoni. Yeah. Anyway, all right, let's get to uh, the hand. No, it's just a normal transition. Just <laughs> <laughs> a play, plain you old... Don't, you don't, uh, there's this whole belief that you have to find a cool, smooth way to get from one thing to the other. You no. don't. You don't. You just go. Mitch Hedberg was very popular. Yes, he was. And that's he, right. There was no such thing as a transition in a Mitch Hedberg stand-up special. No. Uh, all right. This was suggested by Ruthino, who is absolutely destroying it. All First team all poker guys, for yep. sure, this year. Absolutely. Ruthino suggested on Discord, join our Discord using the link in the description of this podcast, or you can suggest on Twitter. We are, of course, at Two Poker Guys always. on Twitter. Always, always. All day. All night. No, not that. Okay. Only during the day. Um, so, yeah, suggest hands there, and maybe you'll get famous. You know, I mean, it's possible. Yeah. So 13 out of 90 players remain. This is the event one from the Madrid Triton, which we've been doing a ton of episodes from. We really have. They put out a bunch of stuff, and it's high-level poker for the most part. Uh, this is maybe their smallest buy-in. It's 20,000 euros, right? It's probably their... Maybe they have one cheaper. Jonathan's going to look it up right uh, now. They have ones that are the same, but nothing lower than this. And the buy-ins get as high as 
150,000 euros, but that's a short deck event. But there's 100K buy-ins also, and 50K and 75K. Yeah. That kind of stuff. This is, yeah, this is tied for the lowest. So 13 out of 90 remain, which is a key number because the bubble burst at 14. Yes. Which I have to say is a little weird to me. I was surprised. I figured it'd just be the final table. But I guess they're trying to... Maybe this is a way to keep like the the, the whales a little more engaged, right? I mean, they pay yeah. a little bit more people. I yeah. General... Like we're we've never been on the side of it where we're trying to create tournaments and figure out what's the best way to do payouts and stuff like that. But it feels like general tournament theory is, you know, if we can find a way to pay the right amount of people, pay more without pissing off people about having like too small of a top prize, that's always better because yeah. it keeps people coming back and playing more. When you cash, it's like a big accomplishment for a lot of people. Yeah, it gets them coming back. I think it was David Sklansky, I could be wrong, who at one point was saying, like, maybe we should literally pay every single person who enters a tournament some amount of money. Like, even though it's very little, just, you know, you finish last, you get, like, almost nothing. Yeah. Which, of course, doesn't really make sense because you're just paying it. The first person probably shouldn't get anything. Right. But even the second person, you could argue something about, you know, it isn't just like a cheaper tournament now. Like, they outlasted somebody and they get, you know, it's a $500 tournament and they get $10 or something like that. And you slowly work your way up. I don't know that that's necessarily a good idea, but it's interesting. It's interesting, you know, and then you eliminate some of the some of the concerns a lot of non-pros have around all this stuff. Yeah, like non-pros like to destroy the bubble, and everyone else is terrified of the bubble, and there is no bubble anymore, you know, and like, right. which you know, bad for folks like us. Yeah, but still, I, I I can see how that could be attractive to some people, but of course, you'd kill the the top prizes, which yeah, everyone really it would wants. not be great. I don't no. think that would be great. And obviously, poker's pretty popular the way they're doing it. You would remove the common refrain of like, been I played for ten hours and I got nothing for it. Exactly, like, it's all an expected value game, man. Sometimes that happens. It's just life. Sure is. Yeah. Sure is. Anyway, who's gonna get nothing for this? Nobody, because everybody's gonna get something. We're in the money. Everybody's celebrating. I mean, it feels good, right? Very expensive champagne over there in the Triton areas. You know, they're enjoying it. Probably. All right. 1,390 remain. Okay. We're at 20K, 40K. Danny Tang, who we've done a lot more breakdowns on recently than in the past. He's, he's yeah. showing up in these things. He really is. So, uh, he's the pro in this hand. I don't think the other guys are pros. Actually, I'm, I know that they aren't pretty much. Um, well, we don't know about, we don't know about uh, Neil Young say might be an online guy. He could be a cash guy. Or a cash, guy. a cash guy. It could be, yeah. But we've never heard of him or seen him before. And the other guy is Paul Fua, who we know is just a billionaire. And I will say this. The only entry in Ni Leong Se's Hendon is this event. Right. Which he is cashing, as we know, because we are in the money. That's the only one. So it seems unlikely he's a big crusher. Right. Yeah. All right. So Danny Tang has 1.9 million at 20K, 40K, so almost sure. 50 bigs. He's going to open to 85K under the gun with two tens. Ten of clubs, ten of diamonds. Nothing to say here. Right. Paul Fu is in the cutoff, which is a little different. Under the gun and the cutoff are a little different because 13 out of 90 remain. We're either six or seven-handed here. Right. So it makes it a less strong open from Danny than if it were a full full ring table. Of course. Uh, Fu has got queen jack of clubs in the cutoff and 2.8 million, so he's riding pretty high with that stack. Yeah, he's got 70 blinds. Not too bad. Do you ever fold this if it's a true under the gun, like nine-handed? I think this is really hard to fold if you're deep enough. Yeah. Like, I feel like this hand just plays well, and, you know... Yeah, there's some. This has some problems. If we flop top pair and the guy bets three times, it could really suck. Um, but that's poker, right? We have to like we have to make decisions, and so like I don't think we can avoid every decision. And this hand is such a wonderful speculative hand. I I can't really see folding this. Yeah. Uh, so if you were to start playing the Triton, yeah. play all the events that you can, and you know you had the money and it didn't hurt, or whatever. Right. Um, how frequently would you three-bet this hand against Danny Tang when he opens? Because he's going to open under the gun a lot in the Triton, and you're going to be at his table a fair amount. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I think the deeper we are, the less interested I am in three-betting for the most part. Okay. So, um, like, this hand is a nice speculative hand that plays well in position, and I'd be pretty interested in calling with it a lot. Um, as, as Danny Tang gets to, like, 30 blinds and less, and here he has, what, 50 blinds. Yeah. As he has 30 blinds and less, I can really attack those opens and get a lot of folds. What if you have 30 blinds? Oh, interesting. Um, if I have 30 blinds, I'm probably going to do a mixed strategy. Sometimes three bets, sometimes call. Okay. Uh, I mean, you put yourself in some weird spots, of course, yeah. but we should get a lot of folds by three betting, right? And then yeah. depending on how much we're three-betting other stuff, but assuming we're not three-betting a huge amount. Because um, this is a hand we're always playing, right? We're never folding this hand, right? I mean, if you have 12 blinds, you're folding. Of course you are. Yeah. But, like, you know, any kind of reasonable depth here, we're just not folding a hand this good, right? 
So you want to you don't you don't ever want a three bet if you're 150 blinds effective. I wouldn't say I don't ever want to, but I pretty rarely. Yeah, like. 10%, 5%, something like that. What do you, what do you think? What are your, what are your numbers for all this? Probably something like that. I yeah. don't know. It's just a question that I don't often think about no. because in the games that I play, there's no Danny Tang. Right. And I'm always just going to call because that just makes more sense against the general field with a hand like this. You, you want to raise if it's Danny Tang because you think like Danny Tang is going to put you on. You want to basically make it harder for him to range you? Is that part of what Yeah, I mean, I want to have board coverage against Danny yeah. Tang. Yeah. Right? And this is a hand that I'm going to play, so sometimes I should three-bet it against a player like that. I feel like if you... Wanting board coverage, and I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but, like, wanting board coverage, that makes, like, 9-10 suited a better three-bet than Queen-Jack suited. Because, like, we're going to have Ace-Queen, and we're going to have... We're going to have some, you know, things that we can three-bet which have these cards in them anyway. Right, but Jack's, it's, Jack's not as much. You kind of need everything to have board coverage on every board, right? Like... You, you want to be able, if you want to be able to have the nuts on the 8, 9, 10 board, you have to have this in your range. That's fair. That's fair. So that's life, man. Yeah. But calling is, but, of course, the default play. But to be clear, we're not going to three bet everything, right? We're not. We're going to, but no. Like, we're not going to three bet uh, four or five suited almost ever when Danny Tang opens. Well, right? any, any hand that we might play, though, right. we should probably consider three betting some of the time okay. if we're playing an iterated game against an elite player. Right. So four or five suited is probably not good enough when he opens under the gun. Right, to... but, but then we don't have board coverage, right? Like, because then if, yeah. the, if the board comes, whatever. That's true. Ace I mean, three, we can never have the nuts. That's true. That's true. But I think that's just too bad, you know? Yeah. Like, Maybe we can, I mean, when we're really deep, we can three bet it. Yeah. But that doesn't really. When we're really deep. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, Paul Fu does the normal thing in calls. Fine. Queen, queen, jack of clubs. Okay. All right. Our newcomer. All right, here we go. Ni Liang Se is in the big blind. It folds to him. He's got king nine of spades in 1.6 million, so he's got 40 blinds as the effective stack between these three guys, and he's going to flat, which makes tons of sense. It does. He could consider a three-bet once in a while. Danny Tang opened under the gun. Right, but it's not an actual under the gun, right? It's yeah. six-handed or seven-handed. Yeah. So that does really change it. It and does. We have, a, we have a squeeze opportunity here. We should at least... Can, this is a pretty good hand to just call with, for sure. But this is an interesting squeeze spot. With We have a king as a blocker. We have a hand that flops not completely terribly. Obviously, we want no callers, yeah. of course. We're out of position to everyone. Would we want to make it 10, 10 blinds? Uh, Leave ourselves 30 when we're called? How much did he make it? 85? We're going to have to make it 10 blinds if we do it, right? Yeah. We just have to. I feel like I'd rather three bet ace four off than this hand. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's not do it. Yeah. The suitedness really is making me want to call. Yeah. You know? So Neil Young say does. Cool. He calls, and we're three ways headed to the flop. 315K in the pot. Cool. Nitro betting is in your spot. You are going to the spigot. <laughs> like the water spigot? Yeah, sure. Okay. Get some water Yeah, for your tots. Ooh, I like that. Also, you love to eat tater tots. Oh, you. <laughs> That's a different kind of tots, we, man. You know what we had there? We had... A, an apex nitro betting ad. We had the yeah. 100th percentile. And? And then and you, you fucking it fucked it up with the tots thing. <laughs> you screwed up by, by calling me out. That was just going to slide right, right by. Nitro betting officials who are listening, yeah. we will take the 5% pay cut that we deserve for oh, what Jonathan has done. Don't say that out loud. <laughs> by 5% pay cut. I mean, like from 100000 a month to... I don't that. care. That's 5% is 5%. Yeah. Fine. Also, don't be going saying our business about money in front of everyone. It's less than 100000 Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, nitro betting. It's the place for spigots. Spigots and tater tots and also your children tots. Spigot sounds like something that like a New Jersey Italian would say. A <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of thing. I think I've told you this, but probably not on the podcast, that there was a, a point where my mom started saying, instead of saying Rick, Rick, Regatta or regatta or anything, she would say regatta like that. <laughs> like, and, like she's like a fresh off the boat Italian. And she wasn't doing it ironically. She wasn't doing it to be funny. She was doing it to be authentic. And it was rough to be around. <laughs> it was really rough. I mean, it's that's part of culture in general, right? When people try to pronounce things in their original language, yeah. like like with French words, you see it a lot in America. Mm -hmm. Like some somebody will pronounce. I don't know. I can't. But the thing is, that's the only word she ever has done it with in her entire <laughs> life. So it's extra weird. You know, it's like she doesn't do it with other Italian words. She doesn't do it with any other words. She doesn't do it with Guatemala, you know, <laughs> or Guadalajara or anything. Like, there's a lot of opportunity. Guatemala or Guadalajara. You say Guadalajara or something. But it's just really that. funny that you said Guatemala or Guadalajara. <laughs> Guademala is a country and Guadalajara yeah, is a city, city in Mexico. Yeah. So what's the point? They're both good. They're just guas. That way. They're guas. Yeah, they're just. 
Yeah, they're just words that sometimes people would pronounce that way. We've seen like newscasters right. pronounce it that way. But my mother only does it with the word ricotta, and she says ricotta, and she like she like stumbles. Over. It's mm-hmm. really rough. Anyway, that would also rhyme is what I'm getting at. Yep. But no one would understand it except for her, and she's not a listener, so I didn't do it. Yep. But now everyone will understand it for next time. Excellent. Because it. it's all about callbacks on this show. Callbacks! <laughs> for those who listen to the opening, you know that. Yeah, and that's, that's right. important to you. But who more important to you is nitro betting and the right. match bonus you get up to 25 millibits. I thought you were going to say million. I was going to be excited. Well, you, you know, though, that what yeah. it is. It's like $7,500. No. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in between there. It's $750 they match um, worth of Bitcoin. And it's for, I think it's for all three poker. Maybe not. Maybe just total. Poker, casino games. It's good that we know these things. <laughs> I think they wrote it to us as if, it, as if they're separate. It's a significant match it's bonus. A yeah. It's a lot. It's a pretty cool deal. You got to use the link in the description uh, of this podcast when you sign up for Nitro Betting. Even if you sign up for Nitrogen Sports, it's a new opportunity. You get that bonus even if you've already had a Nitrogen Sports account. Yeah. Also crucial is that you don't get access to the Poker Guys stuff unless you sign up for Nitro Betting now. And how many people have come up to us saying like, oh, I missed the Nitro Sports chance to sign up and I never going to get it again. I want to play in the poker guys. It happens twice an hour minimum. I mean, with Twitter, it's got to be. Look at our fucking mentions. (laughs) You bastards. (laughs) So like, here's an opportunity for everyone to clean the slate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Clean your plate. Clean the slate. (laughs) Clean your plate. More rhyming in this head. It's excellent. Yeah. So use the link. Get on Nitro Betting. You get the, the Poker Guys monthly tournament. You get their cool sports betting stuff. They have brackets for everything. Including, of course, March Madness, at, at which time they will likely give you something. Right. You know, because they do that for our people. They always do that. Yeah. So we'll see you there. Nitro betting. Yeah. What yeah. do you think the over-under is in general on, like, percentage chance that uh, I forget it's a nitro ad in the middle of the nitro ad, just in the last, you know, five years? Oh, it's like 25%. I think it's even higher. I think it's like 40%, 45%. When did you forget this time when you were talking about your mom? Yep. And the regat? Yep. Yeah. Complete- and then you got back to us like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That is what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, cool. That's over. (laughs) Okay, well, we're done, right? With the ad. Yeah. Which is really the only thing we get paid for. (laughs) No one cares about the rest of the show anyway. I mean, when I say no one, I mean you, me. Yeah. And nitrogen. (laughs) So I guess we're done. We'll see you next time. (laughs) (laughs) For half a hand. We can call it half a hand. That's a great podcast. Oh, it's awesome. Great podcast. You know, there's the Just Hands guys where the half a, just half a hand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll do that. Okay, fine. Here we go. We'll, we'll, We'll keep going. Because we, we haven't even started the flop yet. Oh, geez. All right. So it's uh, <laughs> we got uh, Danny Tang under the gun with two tens. Paul Fua, Queen Jack of Clubs in the cutoff. Yeah. Neil Young say in the big line with King Nine of Spades. Sure. The flop is a spicy meatball, as your mom might say. She it's would. Nine of Clubs, Nine of Hearts, Seven of Clubs. This is how my mom would say. That's a spicy meatball! That's exactly. That's, <laughs> that's Miss Levy. Yep. Um, all right. Nine of Clubs, Nine of Hearts, Seven of Clubs. Okay. That is pretty spicy. All right, so Paul Fua has flopped the queen high flush draw with a backdoor straight draw. Uh, Danny Tang has flopped two tens for an overpair. Yep. And good trip nines for knee. So lots of value out there. I always have to ask the question. You know the question. Should, should we see a lead here? Yeah, should knee lead? I think it's a pretty interesting time to lead for sure. This is a pretty good lead spot, I think. We're just yeah. going to get a lot of check throughs. Now, with Danny Tang's actual hand, he's probably betting two tens, right? Yeah. It's, like, it's one of the hands you'd most want to bet to like protect. It's so vulnerable, yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, if, if Tang had aces or kings or a miss, I think he's almost always checking, right? And, sorry, ace, yeah, aces, kings, yeah. or a miss. Um, and that's a lot of his range. Not so much the aces and the kings, but the misses. Like yeah. He doesn't have that many other overpairs, clearly, right? right? Ten jacks, queens, that's kind of it. Obviously, he can have pocket sevens, he'd bet that. Maybe he'd bet pocket eights, but... There's a lot of checks here. Mm-hmm. And then Paul Fu is going to have a lot of checks also because Fua rarely connects with this board, especially when we have a nine in our hand. So the problem with what you've just said in my mind is like, it sounds like we're going to get a ton of folds. It does feel like we're going to get a ton of folds, but it is at least a wet-ish board. Yeah. So we'll get some action. Of course, if, uh, conversely, if that action we were going to get might bet if we check. Yeah. So maybe, maybe there isn't as much value as we're talking about in terms of leading here. I mean, the one thing that's really nice about leading here is that it's very easy to find balance, right? You can yes. easily balance it with semi-bluffs. It's, it's pretty, you could pretty quickly come if, up with a range. If we want to lead with some of those, which I think we might, yeah. then we should be leading with this hand at least sometimes too. Right. right? Maybe we're just checking this hand a lot because we're three ways, though. I yeah. yeah. I mean, it is our board, too. It which, really is. Which is like theoretically a reason to lead and lead small. Yeah. 
Um, but it's also fine just to use it as an opportunity to check raise with this hand and also hands like combo draws. And let's look at the value of leading beyond the obvious, right? So like, let's say for a second that if we lead here, Danny Tank's going to call with his two tens. And let's pretend Paul Fuwood just doesn't have a hand. Because okay. him having a hand changes the dynamic. He's got king, queen of diamonds. Right? It's going to change lots of stuff. Right. Yeah. So he just folds. Yeah. So this means we get to bet the turn and bet the river. We get to go bet, bet. If, Danny, if we were to check in Danny Tang were to bet, which I would expect he normally would with two tens. Yeah. And let's say Paul Fuwood folds again. Uh-huh. Whatever we do now, is gonna be, it's going to be really hard to get three streets. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if we check raise, he might decide to hold on. Mm-hmm. But he might just fold a lot. Right? Yeah. Um, if we call, he's going to check back the turn a lot. He's certainly not going to bet the turn and river, right? If we go call, call. Like, mm-hmm. like it's just so hard to get three streets of value. But leading gives us a shot at it, I think, more so. Against a hand like two tens, actually. And, and some other stuff, too. Yeah. So, so that's another really good reason to lead that we don't really talk about. Because um, we're talking about other pieces of it, right? But like getting the full three streets, pretty sweet. And then you don't have to show up suddenly like, oh, my God, he's so strong. Well, here's something, a converse argument. You might be able to get the full three streets more likely with leading. You might be able to get the full double more with check raising. Mm. Uh, be, especially considering the stage we are in the tournament, we should be going for the full double. That's right? a great point. That's, that's the, the next jump is absolutely nothing. It's like $2,700. I mean, we apps, there, are, there are draws we can have. You can have 810, jack 10, 6, 8, and clubs all very reasonably. Yeah. Right? Those are super straightforward hands for us to have. Like Tang might decide not to fold a hand that he, he bets that's worse than this hand. Um, any flush draw, we might be able to get it in with on the flop or turn, depending on which flush draw it is. And, Maybe. And that's fine with us at this point, based on having a 40-bind stack and, and this stage of the tournament. Like We're happy to, to get it in with the most equity and hope to double up. I mean, I think a lot of it really is going to come down to um, if we have check-raise bluffs on this board enough, then this is a pretty good check race candidate too. Like where you know where where can we find balance? Right. You know, like if we're not check raising bluffing much, then maybe elite is better. If we're check raising bluffing sometimes or any at really with any frequency at all, then this is probably a pretty good check race candidate too. It is. I mean, when we're trying to th- find balance, though, I'm kind of thinking we might have too many hands if we're check raising this hand because it's clearly better to check raise ace nine, right? Yes. And that's eight combos that we have. Of right. ace nine, right. then we got to find eight combos of of semi bluffs, or not eight combos, but we got to find. It's easy. Some, I mean, like easy to find. We just out. do all of the clubs. I mean, that feels like too much. I mean, we can have some straight draws too. What if we had jack yeah. ten? And we decide to raise it. Yeah, that's, that's pretty fair. good. We yeah, we could, 10, we could probably 10. we could probably include this and then include yeah. some more weaker semi bluffs. Eight ten is pretty good too if we wanted to do it. Yeah, right? six, we eight. block eight nine and ten nine plus we have the open under. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Let's do this. Maybe even queen nine two. By the way, we might sometimes decide to turn a hand like 5-7 into a bluff, also where we block the full house, and uh, we just want to deny it. And we have way more nines than our opponents. Yep. Yeah, that's reasonable. All right, so we're check-raising literally everything that we've called with at this point. <laughs> it's fine. Um, here's, a, here's a thing that I want to at least ask about. This clearly isn't entirely true, right? We're never getting in Dame Theory disaster mode by check-raising here, just as a plan before we even talk about what everyone else has. But clearly, like, overpairs can call us. Both, both guys have hands that can go with this. Right, there's, there's draws and there's overpairs that can right. consider continuing. At the same point, it's a tournament. We are a little bit, you know, later in the tournament and stuff like that. If this was the main event of the World Series, I would actually be start to worry about some game theory disaster spots. Well, if here. we're against Joe Schmo in the World Series yeah. of Poker and it's the only time he'll ever be on day five in his life, right? right? Like, that's, that's a different thing. Maybe he plays better as a lead then. Yeah, 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 but this is Paul Fua, who has billions of dollars, and Danny Tang is going to be here serious, yeah. all the time. Who's yeah. never going to fold an overpair just because. Right. Because, oh, no, maybe he has it. That's yeah. not his reasoning ever. Okay, yeah. that's, that's great. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I, I think I like the check raise overall, but I think leading is also fine. Yep. Anyway, Nee's going to check. No problem. Tang is going to bet to protect his two tens. He should. Pretty much okay with a call, but like would be very thrilled to have both opponents fold with two tens right now. Oh, yeah. I think, yep. I think both are fine, but a fold is great. What should Paul Fuwa do? Queen Jack of Clubs when Tang continues here. Um, I think he should mostly call. Okay. I don't know what raising is going to... I mean, raising, of course, gives us a chance to win the pot right now, but Tang is almost always going to check the turn, right? With most of his range. I Unless think. he has a full house or a nine, yeah. Yeah, or he's maybe ace-king of clubs or yeah. something like that. Um, but like, And by the way, like, that's not great for us. No, anyway, it's not good. That. Um, I'm not sure if we can successfully fold out over pairs. We can fold out ace highs, but we're going to have an opportunity to fold those out anyway most of the time on the turn. Yeah. I'm pretty interested in calling and like, 
I like calling and like just betting one check to on the turn a lot. The one thing that raising does accomplish is shutting out any equity that knee might have that might decide to overcall that is like a medium strength hand. Like what? What do you imagine you would call with? Something like a seven potentially. How is he going to call? Yeah, with I seven? probably can't. It's got to be Jack 10 is like the hand he can call with. Six, eight. Six, eight he can call eight, with. Ten. Right. Yeah. Right. Those types of hands. Yep. But we also get more money in the pot where like we've got reasonable equity. Yeah. And we have position on both players. Yeah. It's not that bad. I think I like a I think I like a call here for the most part. I think I do too. And part of that is also that we we shouldn't have that many nines in our range. So we're basically repping quads, which are we gonna raise that I mean, I think we have ace nine suited probably as Paul Fua. And nine ten suited. Nine ten suited and seven seven. Yeah. I don't think we have nine seven suited. No, but eight nine suited probably. We probably do. Yeah. Um Yeah. So I think mostly a call is is cool, man. Also the board is paired, by the way, which is like you a re- know? reason to tread lightly? Uh, slightly more reason. Yeah. Slightly more reason. All right. So, Nee probably didn't expect a bet and a call, but that's what he got. Yeah. Four calls. Cool. So, this feels like a slam dunk raise at this point with a bet and a call, right? I mean, we only have 40 blinds to start the hand. Right. right? Like, if somebody has a better hand than King Nine here, congratulations to them. I mean, but, they're probably getting it almost no matter what. I guess a club could come off on the turn and could slow everything down, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. It, it just feels like. Let's go. Let's, we, we don't want to give everyone a chance to draw. This is a pretty wet board. Yeah. All right. So uh, how do you want to size it? 315 was in the pot before Tang bet 115 and Fua called. Okay. Um, so there's currently 545K in the pot. Yeah. Um, I think I'm feeling anchored because I, I accidentally just saw how much he actually raised it. So yeah. I'm feeling pulled right to that number. That does feel like a pretty reasonable number, though, I have to say. Yeah. So he, he just 3Xs the original. Yeah, 445. That feels like, especially in a tournament that's like a big deal tournament with serious players, that's fine. Like, I don't think you need to go bigger than that. Yeah, I, was, I would have said 500, I think. That was my first number, and I was like, is 500 too much, though? These are all very close. It's one blind difference, right? Yeah. We're talking about 11 blinds or 12 blinds. Right. So, like, whatever, in some, to some degree. I, th- I think 500 is fine. I think 450 is fine. Yeah. All right, so Danny Tang's in an awkward spot now with two tens. Yeah, I don't even think it's that awkward. I, I mean, mean, it's I just think, an easy fold. I mean, Paul Fua has something. He could he could be way behind. Right, he Fua could, could have, two, have eights. two eights. He could have seven eight suited. He could have of course he could some sort of draw like he does. But then what is our what is our other friend here? He's got to have a draw himself. Yeah, right. So once in a while it's like that, and then we still, by the way, are not then it's it's not so much Fua, but it's. Uh, Liangse has ec- real equity against us. Yeah. We can't raise. Mm-hmm. I think we should just fold and stay out of the way at this point. Like, yeah. it's, it's been a, if it went fold, call, fold raise, so Fu is not in the hand, we probably have to call. Yeah. But call raise, that's a much stronger raise. Fu, by the way, could be sitting on trip nines and slow playing it. Yeah. Or sevens Fua. full or quads. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially Fu, right? Yeah. Fu is, the, I, I feel like the billionaires types are going to slow play a little more probably than the pros. Maybe um, so, yeah. So, I just want to fold and be like, oh, all right, this isn't good. I just fold. Yep, I would too. I think that's that's something that feels right to me and feels yeah. right to you and feels right to Danny Tang. That's what he does. I don't. I think a lot of players call here. A lot of like not not pros. But yeah, I think so. Amateurs too. call because I have something. I have a pair. I have an over pair. You know, right. like it's it's good. And the thing is, it can be easy to get caught up in a like, well. You think about your individual equity, equity against each opponent rather right. than the combined equity your opponents have against you, which if you call, you are taking on both of them for right. the turn, you not might, just one of you them. You might have two outs, first of all. Right. Yeah. You might have two outs. Um, and let's say they both have draws. Mm-hmm. One guy's got the open-ender, and the other guy's got the, the nut-flush the draw. Yeah. So one guy's 42% against you, and the other guy's you know 30% against you. That's a problem. Yeah. That's 72% if we add that up. You know That's not great. Mm-hmm. And we don't have... I mean, I guess we could hit a 10 or a 9 and, and make these guys drawing dead, sure. But, like, we don't know where we're at anyway. Someone could have trip 9s, and that 9 could kill us, not, not you know, yep. help us. Somebody does have trip 9s. Someone does. So, especially in a tournament spot, this just feels like, yeah, we just fold here. Look, if you have aces, it's a tougher spot. It really plays the same, but it's a tougher spot, mm-hmm. right? Because you're like, oh, it's so hard to fold aces. And, like... But no one can... No one should have... I guess Fua could have an overpair, but Leonce never has an overpair, essentially, right? Unless, no. I guess, unless he has two tens himself. Right, but that feels like rare. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so be it. Like, until we know that these guys are playing, like, really overvaluing hands in spots they shouldn't be, 
like we should just fold and stay out of the, stay out of the fracas. That's what Danny Tang does. Yeah, that's why he's elite. That's not why he's elite. This is a pretty standard fold for pro. Correct. Um, so he folds. All right, as Paul Fua, is there any thought in your mind to three betting? Wow. Three betting, no. I don't think that's no. a good idea at all. It feels like, yeah, it's not going to go well, typically. I mean, what, what are the outcomes that are good here? We could fold out draws. Yeah. Or some really weird airplay that we might end up losing to because we fold the turn. Sure. But, like, do we think this guy's got a lot of air? This guy's never cashed, as a, according to Hendon, in his life before. Right. So he probably doesn't have that much air in this spot, probably. Hard to know, but yeah. Is there any thought to folding? I think if we're going to consider something, that's the only thing to consider. That because we don't fold. have the nut flush draw. And right? the board's paired. Yeah. But if we had the nut flush draw, we wouldn't fold. No chance. No. This guy did call from the big blind. So the fl- I mean, if he, he can have a worse flush draw. Than he us. can, but he can also have a better one. And when we have a nut flush can. draw, we know that's not the case. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. But I'm saying like, I think it's probably a little nitty to just fold right now. But of course, we put ourselves in this weird position of... You know, like we miss on the turn and we just have to fold on. We pay all this. We pay 230,000 more chips right now to just fold the turn a lot yeah. to see one card. But we are in position. We have a pretty good hand. We have overs as well that are good a little bit of the time. Hard to imagine times when that's the case. Well, you know, for up against the nut flush draw. Uh, yeah, okay. Right? Yeah. Um, and if this guy's overplaying a hand like two tens, which okay. he almost never has. No. Here, but, but he could. He could have two tens and just call pre. From the big blind. And then check raise? I mean, he could. I mean, he's, he's an amateur, we, we think. We think. So it's possible. It's unlikely. It's, I'm stretching here, for sure. Um, no, the, only, the way we really get there is when we're up against the nut flush draw, or the king high flush draw, right? That's, yeah. And we hit a queen or a jack. We can also turn uh, open-ended sometimes. Sure. Which, you know, we don't know if that's good, but it might be, it might, you know, it might just draw us into a power drawing dead against, you know, on. But whatever. I don't think we can reasonably fold here. Just because the board's paired. I agree. It just doesn't feel amazing. Yep. Yeah. This reminds me of a hand I played. Yeah. Do you want to hear a quick story? Fine. It's day three of the main event of the World Series. We're like 60% of the way through the day. Um, I have not made a hand essentially all day long. Like, so I came into the day with, like, above average chip stack and all that, and I've been just, like, doing okay. I've been, like, barely hanging in there. You know what I mean? Like, I've been whittling down. I'm still fine. I saw, I opened 10-9 suited in middle position. I get only called by the big blind. The flop is, like, 8-4 deuce. I have 10-9 of hearts. 8-4 deuce with the 8 of hearts only. He checks. I check back. Turn is the jack of hearts. So suddenly we just turn the whole thing, right? It's like, oh, my God. You know what? It was eight deuce deuce. It was eight deuce. The turn is the jack of hearts. Um, he checks. I bet some normal amount, whatever that is. He check raises me. And if I want to re-raise, which is something I considered, I would essentially be moving in. Like, so it's call and like have a pot size bet back or move in. Or fold. Those are my three options, right? And I sit there for a really long time not knowing what to do, right? The board's paired. I'm like, I guess I could be drawing dead sometimes. Sometimes I'm up against a better flush draw. Can't be drawing dead. Oh, I can't. You're right. I can yeah. have two outs against yeah. anything. That's right. But like two outs ain't enough, obviously. No. Like if that's where I'm at. And I think and I think and I think and I think about all three options a lot. And I mostly am like leaning toward, I'm like, should I just move in here? This is the kind of hand you can move in with a lot. Like this is a pretty good hand to move in with, you know? And I'm like, the board's paired and this guy has not been getting out of line all day and I don't really know. And I'm like, what a terrible way to go out in the main event if I'm just drawing essentially dead here or drawing to two outs. And I think about calling a lot. I'm in position. I can see if I get there. And I just fold the hand. Like I take like four minutes and fold. Yeah, I think a problem with moving in there would be that you would not be representing anything, really. Saying you have jacks full. Then I, have to be, I have to have jacks, yeah. yeah. That's, that'd be the only thing. Right. I guess I, I, guess I could have um, eights full also. Yeah. I move in, right? I checked it back yeah. on, on that board. I could check back eights there for sure. Yeah. I would, in fact. Um, but would I even move in there? I'd probably just call with a pot size bet back with both those hands, honestly. Like, most of the time. Like, I'm not worried about anything. I don't want to scare them off. I'm blocking a lot of the value. Why would I even... I probably wouldn't move in with those hands very often. I guess you could shut out a superior flush draw by moving in. That is the one of the things I could do. Um, 
it's like, do I really think this guy is ace jack and just check raised me? I couldn't really think. It was really hard to put him on a hand, too. I just really struggled to put him on a hand. Um, I folded, and he told, when the table broke, he told me. Actually, he told me then, and he told me again. I asked him again when the table broke. He said he had jacks. Wow. And I said, when the table broke, finally. And I was like, did you actually have jacks? So he's like, I 100% had jacks there, man. And wow. he was not kidding. And there's no reason for him to lie anymore. We were going, you know, there was, thousands, there was like 1,500 people left in the main event or 2,000 people left in the main event. There was no reason to lie, you know. We were going to wildly different rooms even. Um, and I was like, wow, I dodged the whole thing because I usually don't hit the two-outer, you know. And like, Maybe you would have hit the two-outer. I know. Maybe you'd be the main event champion. It's true. Jonathan it's possible. Levy. But it was, it was a good fold at the time. But yeah. I still remember like, the pain of letting that go and how hard it was to let it go. Yeah, I think you got to fold. Yeah. Anyway, pain. So, so that reminded me of this spot a little bit if we, um, if we were, you know, potentially a spot we could put ourselves in, yeah. which we don't want to. Right. Fua ends up calling. Yeah. It feels like you're supposed to call, right? It does. It does. It's just like, eh, I don't like this. Uh, yeah. I don't like this. I'll reevaluate on the turn. Sometimes it goes, the guy checks the turn, you know, and we can do stuff if we want. Yeah. And we get a free card or we can bet. And that's nice. And sometimes we get there. And that's pretty cool, too. All right. Pot's 1.32 million. Okay. That's about what Knee has remaining in his stack. I mean, we assume if we don't hit this turn card, we're probably not going to be able to see the river as Paul Fua. Yeah. Because we're getting shoved a lot. We hit shoved the turn card. Oh. It's the Ace of Clubs. What a great card. Yeah. So we're, we're only losing to one flush. Obviously, we're losing to full houses. Yes. Ace nine is there. Yeah. Seven seven's probably there. Nine seven's there. But still... That's pretty great. We just eliminated a bunch of the, the hands that were problematic for right. us with the ace. So speaking of awkward spots, what the hell should Knee do? We've got King Nine of Spades on the Nine of Clubs, Nine of Hearts, Seven of Clubs, Ace of Clubs board. We think, check raise the flop. I think it's pretty clear what we're supposed to do. We have to check. Yeah. What are we supposed to get value out of by betting now? What's supposed to... We're trying to get value out of a worse nine? We have a pot size bet left anyway. Yeah, it's very clear that Fua does not have a singular ace in his hand because it's the ace of clubs that hit the right. board. The only ace X he has on the flop is ace X of clubs. So I, I guess he could have ace seven and be super sticky. Yeah. Because he's putting us on a I draw. I guess so. But is he even going to call when the ace of clubs comes and we bet again? He's got a bad ace with no kicker and the club came. How yeah. can he call? He can't call. We have to check. Feels like it. It's just... An odd spot. Like, what if Fu, if Fu moves in? Are we just folding? We're calling. We're calling. Fuwa could, could have a worse nine. But why, this, why would he ever move in? To protect against the last club coming? I With, don't know why. From he'd move what in. hand? I don't know why he'd move in. I can't really because he has a draw himself. He's got eight ten or something like that, and he's trying to win the pot. He thinks that's a scare card. Which I guess is. that could be the case. It would seem very strange to fold if he moves in, don't you think? For a pot size bet, we're getting two to one. By the way, we have outs. We have ten outs for the board to pair if he yeah. has a flush. This is just one of those really awkward spots it's that I don't... Great. Like, uh, the way you're answering these is, is you're supposed to do. It's your job. You're supposed to like, give definitive answers, but I don't think you're as clear as you are acting. Look, I feel like the check is very clear. The call is not so obvious. Yeah. I agree. If he mo actually moves in there, it's a really tough spot because why is he moving in? What's he moving in with? He's moving in with generally with a, a non-nut flush, right? Yeah. That's mostly what he's moving in with, like the non-king high flush because I figure he's usually not going to move in with the king high flush because he's like, what am I supposed to get value from, right? Yeah. Um, but everything else can be protecting... Um, or bluffing or something, right? All the other stuff that that is not a made hand. Yeah, I mean you're trying. When you're right, trip nine, if you're should be checking. If you're Fua and you're bluffing now, you're trying to fold out specifically trip nines. That's ambitious, right? Yeah, but at the same point, you think like if you have trip nines, you should strongly consider folding. Right? Yeah, but this is a theory podcast, and yeah. in reality, a lot of people struggle to fold trips. Absolutely, and yeah. again, you do have outs even if you're behind. Yeah. This is one of the spots where maybe you fold, because we're in the big blind, we fold our bad trip nines, we have to call with our good trip nines kind of a thing, because we have to call with something. We can have I, clubs. I mean, we have to protect our checking range. We can have clubs, but we probably have a lot more trip nines than clubs, right? When we don't bet. Yeah. Yeah. But we do bet. So here's, here's what Nee does. What do you think about what Nee does? He doesn't go all in, which is a slightly less than pot size bet. He bets 425 of his like 1.3 million remaining. I mean, I don't like it. Um... I guess we're going to be able to play the whole, like, I'll get full information kind of a thing. But what kind of price are we going to give ourselves anyway, like, if we were to get moved in on here? It would be a good price. I wonder if it would be enough that we have to call. No, we wouldn't be drawing. No, we wouldn't have to call, though. Because there would be, like, two and a half, like, three million in the pot, and it would be, like, 800K, 10 outs. I mean, it's, it's actually close. It's close, yeah. But we're supposed to fold. Okay. So... I would bet less than 425 if I was going to bet, but I wouldn't bet. What do you think about that as a 
way to play this hand is like betting 250 or something. I think that's weird and interesting. Do you think that's better than checking? Uh, no, I really don't. Okay. Um, like we have a pot size bet left back. Like there's two streets. Like it doesn't protect us that much from anything. We're out of position. It just doesn't protect us that much. Our opponent can get, can move us in on the river. can have the nuts call and then move us in on the river anyway. And what are we going to do? Like, yeah, if we were a lot deeper, I think a 250 bet does fulfill some more, um, function for us. Right. Where we get a lot more information, we protect ourselves, we get value sometimes out of worse hands, do all this cool stuff that all blo- that blocker bets can do. Um, I don't know that we're successfully going to block anything usefully out of position when we're this short. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, I think he just took a half measure here because he's like, "Oh, this is an awkward spot." Yeah, but to his credit, it is an awkward freaking spot. It sucks. It is absolutely awkward. I think we're supposed to check and figure it out. You know? All right. Well, no matter what. That's what he does. He bets 425 out of his 1.3 million. Yeah. What is Fua supposed to do with the queen high flush on the paired board? Okay. Obviously, we're never folding. Can't fold. Um, we can call and essentially get it in on the river one way or the other. Either our opponent's moving in on us and we're calling, mm-hmm. or he's checking and we're moving in on him, right? I guess once in a while, there could be an awkward river card that would actually make us make it go check, check, but not very often. Right, yeah, the like seven a, could pair, and it would just go check, check. Yeah. Right, the ace could pair, it would go check, check, kind of a thing. But mostly not. Um, a low club could come, and he could move in on us, and now we're not auto calling anyway. We probably have to call, but we have to think about it at least. Yeah, right? I mean, I guess you could have king nine with the king of clubs specifically. That you would could be... also have full houses. Yeah. So like we have to, we have to consider folding. Yeah. Probably we have to call though because the price we're going to get we're going to get an amazing price if we call here right we're going to be getting almost four to one as as Paul fool we're going to have to call with the queen high flush actually I think I like calling better than shoving yeah. as Paul because there's not really that much equity to shut out and that would be the only real value of moving in I mean all we're trying to do is get called by the lower flush before the board gets scarier that's the only value of shoving that I can see like, should that's... a lower flush consider folding when fool moves in. Maybe it should, but it's not going to getting this price. Right? I don't know, man. I mean, like, I, th- I feel like theoretically, if we yeah. were to move in, a lower flush is a worse thing to call within a nine. Right. That's fair. That's really fair because you're drawing dead yeah. with a lower flush most of the time. Because that was what is Fool moving in with just a weird nine? Yeah, no that makes chance. Makes no sense. Yeah. You're right. You're Fua right. can call with a nine for 425. Yes, he can. Yeah. I mean, and that's one of the values of betting this, right? With King Nine is you yeah. can call by a worse nine. Here. That's true. That's true. That is, that is kind of cool. I mean, there's but like we still have weird river stuff coming. There's like up. two combos of worst nines, right? There's eight nine suited and nine ten suited. Yep. And uh, I mean, maybe Fool can have Jack nine suited. Okay, so three combos. Yeah, it's not a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. It's just not enough because we block. The, just to be clear for the audience, because we block the third nine, so there's only one suited combo of each. Left. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's not. It's not enough. It's not enough to bet this four twenty five. No. And I agree with you. I think Fool should just be calling here. Um, to set up with, with the plan of essentially don't fold the river unless an absolute nightmare. And probably comes. shove if, if check two, depending on the, on the card. Mostly shove if yeah. check two. Like, we got to believe the king high flush is going to yeah. put it in getting, you know, some, inc- some incredible price. The pot's so, the stack to pot is so wild yeah. at this point, you know? Right. It's going to be like two and a half to one. Yeah. So it seems pretty clear to me that Fu is supposed to call with, with this hand. Yeah, because also, like, there's no balance here. We don't have any bluffs, right? How could we have a bluff? Right. So, like, why, if, we're, if we have no bluffs, we shouldn't be moving it. Yeah. Especially in a spot where there's almost nothing to be afraid of. That's, Again, that's really the main reason for me. Is, is, a 9-7 or an ace is bad, but... Right. And the king-9 with the king of clubs has some extra equity against us because it can make right. the better flush. But, but okay, you know, like, that's, that's pretty good. It's rare, yeah. And are those hands folding anyway? I mean, I guess... There's no ace that exists. The king nine with king, not, king of clubs is not folding, I don't think. Probably can't fold. It's, yeah. It hates it, but it probably feels like it has to call. Yeah. Right? And so what's the point anyway? So yeah. like, I guess we get all the money. We make sure we get those last 20 blinds from it. But yeah. maybe we probably get that anyway if it, on the river if it just checks. or Either it moves in or it checks and we get to move in. It probably has to call anyway. Yeah. With that hand. So who cares? Yeah. Yeah, I think the call is the right play. Fool moves in. Yeah. I mean, it's not terrible. It's just not what we prefer. Yeah. The, the best argument for moving in is essentially this guy is so short at this point anyway, he's effectively calling off. Let's, let's try things. to capture value. Let's see if we should capture value from these perspective. Yeah. Right? Let's do the actual math here. Cool, cool. So it's seven, 775 to call. The pot is going to be, let's see, 1.32 plus 425 plus 1.3. 
So two point six. It's like three. It's like three point one. Yeah, it's three. Three point one million. So seven seventy five to win three point one million. Yeah. So it's about four to one. Right, which is twenty five percent. Actually, twenty percent. We got to be. We got to be right twenty percent of the time. Or we have to, no, not right. We have to win 20% yeah. of the time. It's a little different. We can be behind and still get there. The outs alone mean we have to call. Yeah. But yeah we have. Assuming we're drawing live enough. Like, A-Sign has us dead. True. There are some scenarios for, for that. But you would think Paul would just call with hands like that on the turn, just in case. Um, right. It's weird. It's weird for him to move in with Ace Nine. So against Paul's actual hand, which feels like the type of hand that we maybe should expect to be up against a lot of the time. Yeah. We have three Aces. We have... Three kings, we have one nine, and we have three sevens. Yeah, ten outs. Ten outs. So That's 20, 20% is like on the nose. Yep. And it's, it's a little better even. Like we're, we're, we're making money calling. For Chip EV, yes. And I think at this stage in the tournament, we have to make the call because of the minuscule money jumps that are coming up and the big money up top. Right. But he put himself in this weird position, too. Like we didn't have to do this, right? Like we were saying, he could have checked. Yeah. And... Maybe Fool moves in. Maybe Fool bets, Fool bets small. We're going to have to call anyway. Fool probably bets small. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't move. But I don't know. Fool moved in here. Maybe he moves in and we can actually find a fold mm-hmm. um, sometimes. But yeah, it feels like he just has to call this race. Yeah, I mean. Because he committed himself to it. So our actual outs are those 10 outs. Yep. This is a concept that I'm, I kind of think of sometimes. And I don't really know how to apply it. But like, what are our expected outs? You know, like, because 10 is not our expected outs. That's our actual outs against Paul, right? Because mm-hmm. there, there will be times when Paul Fu has the king X of clubs and that we're moving out. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. And right, there are times when we're drawing dead. Right. We certainly don't have 10 outs. 10 outs is the best case scenario. Yeah. Well, assuming we're not winning, but we feel we're almost never winning. Yeah. 10 outs is 10 outs to the hand that we think we want to make. Right. right. So maybe, maybe expected outs is like eight and a half. Yeah. Something like that. This is a concept that I think we should probably work with. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Um, even at eight and a half outs, we probably have to call because right. of the tournament stage. If it were one player earlier, we would probably have to fold with eight and a half expected outs, right? Right, we would. The other thing is, Paul Fu is an amateur, and there's at least some chance that he has a worse nine in his movie. He's not there. like he's he's improved a lot. I agree. Yeah, but he moved in here, and we didn't think he should. Yeah, I don't know. I could. I don't think it's completely impossible that he could move in with a worse hand. Okay, but I'm not saying it's likely, but that's got to bump us up a little bit. That's like three combos, by the way, at most. Right. Yeah, that's right. And he has to actually move in with one of them. So yeah. at most, one combo is he moving in with. Yeah. And may- maybe zero, like you're saying. Right. Yeah, that's fair. So I think, yeah, I think I agree. Based on stage of tournament, we do have to call his knee. But it, we ended up making it really close. We should have bet a different amount to make it easier, I think. Right, right. This is sort of the worst, almost yeah. the worst way to do it, right? Bet, bet zero and... You can fold if he moves in. Yeah. Bet a lot, and you have an easy call. Right. Right. Yeah. Just move in yourself if you want to. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that feels like probably wrong, but so checking does oh, feel yeah. like the right play. I think check fold is at least a strong consideration here. If we bet, oh sorry, we check and he moves in. Yeah. Again, will Paul Fua even move in? I don't think he will. I think he'll bet four hundred k, and we probably do have to call that. Yeah. And so we're probably screwed no matter what. Anyway, need does call, of course. Yeah. And the river's a deuce of diamonds, so he whiffs. He bricks. He's out. Paul Fua, champion. He gets fifth in the tournament, Paul does, right? He gets fifth in the tournament for $144,000, 138,000 euro, and he wins event number two. Oh, good job, Paul. 30,000 buy-in event, bro. That's the seven-handed event. He won uh, $770,000, 140,000 euro. So, you know, Paul Fua, loving it. Fua. Fua. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them tongue tied. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it.